Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 46 of Intuitive Bites Podcast. For the show today, I'm chatting with Rebecca Scridgefield, who is a dietitian you probably have heard of. Uh, she has a book out called Body Kindness. She also has a podcast called Body Kindness. And of course, we're going to talk about uh, on the show today a little bit more about that framework that she has created. Um, I love the book Body Kindness. I love you know everything in there. It's really it expands beyond eating, uh, far beyond eating into really your whole life and just kind of approaching, um, taking care of your health from a place of self care. Um, so it is awesome. I'm really excited for you to hear everything she has to say and share about body kindness today. Uh, before I dive into that, a couple things I want to note. If you're listening to this as I'm releasing it, I have a food freedom 101 webinar that I'm releasing or hosting on this Wednesday, September 11th. So it's a one hour webinar. It's 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. You'll also receive a recording to your email. So if you can't make it at that time, you'll still get it. It's $19 to register and you can register by going to theintuitive-rd.com slash webinars or just go to my Instagram um, you know, the intuitive underscore RD and click the link in my bio and you'll easy, easily be able to register that way. Um, I also want to mention that I have, I still have my diet culture is a liar stickers. So if you want one of those, um, you can also get those through the link in my bio. All right, guys, let's go ahead and listen to what Rebecca has to share about body kindness. All right, Rebecca, so we are good to go. I would love for you to just introduce yourself a little bit and, and uh, a bit about the work that you do. Sure. Well, I am a registered dietitian and a certified exercise physiologist. I also have a training in um, clinical anxiety counseling, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I'm a forever, so there will, I'm sure, be more continued professional development and certifications as I become more and more intrigued with how I can help uh, meet folks' needs. But I'm based here in Washington, D.C. I've uh, got two young kids who are in elementary school. Um, So they're six and five. Um, What else is interesting? So I have a private practice where I do individual counseling. I work with individuals and families, mostly focused on chronic dieting, disordered eating, and eating disorder recovery. Uh, And sometimes I will have folks who have an intersection of um, anxiety and IBS issues who are thinking mm-hmm. about low FODMAP and we can really kind of think through um, whether or not that makes sense. Right now, people are blanketly getting a recommendation like, oh, if you have GI issues, it must be IBS. And if it's IBS, you know, kind of like just tolerate it slash do low FODMAP. So yeah. people are really unsupported there. So I feel really grateful that I got 
um, to study um, low FODMAP um, under Kate Scarlotta and um, try to integrate those um, types of expertise is uh, increasingly helpful the more I learn about um, polyvagal theory and the mind-body connection. Mm. It makes so much sense. Um, so I do all kinds of things with my clients. We'll meditate. We'll do lavender oil. We'll do walk and talk sessions. I really feel awesome. um, our training as dietitians, it's so inadequate. There's so much more we could be doing to help people heal in an outpatient setting. So I, I love all that work. And besides that, the private work that I do, I also write. So have the book Body Kindness, um, which is based on the philosophy that, that um, I created to really intersect uh, what do we know about positive psychology and intuitive eating? And if I was going to help answer the question, but I care about health, but man, yeah. I don't ever want to diet again. So th- that's, you know, a lot of where that came from. Um, and then I do freelance writing as well. Um, so I write for the post and self. I'm an advisor to health magazine and I have a podcast too. So <laughs> 130 <laughs> some episodes going. Yeah, it's a lot. It is, it is a juggle struggle, but you know, honestly, what it ends up being is, you know, I I get ideas anywhere in the shower when I'm on a walk and I have a lot more ideas than I'm able to execute. So for example, this year, freelance writing took a major backseat, um, just because I've been really exploring and thinking about another book Mm. that has also been on my mind for several years. So it's just, there's a, while there's a lot of ideas and I feel like I dip my toe in a lot of places, I, there's a lot that I end up not doing, um, (laughs) just because I really also do care about quality of life. So, um, you know, as I mentioned private practice, I could, I could, um, fill up a calendar just with private practice, but I don't. So I work with a lot. I do a lot of referring out, um, and I develop a network here in DC so I can do my private practice work for the exact kind of people I'm really trying to help, yes. but I just don't do too much private practice because I have a personal interest in a lot of other things. And I mean, let's face it, not everybody can afford to see a dietitian or insurance reimbursement sucks. So I just, I, honestly, that's a big part of it. I just, I refuse to only do care that's going to help a small number of people who are privileged and can afford it. Um, yeah, totally. So a lot of what I do in my podcast and writing, I'm like, how do I help culture move forward? And also how do I help people who, who might never be able to see a dietitian in the system that we currently have? So. Yeah, that makes so much sense. That's good balance for you too, to be able to do different things, but it's also helpful to be able to reach different types of people. Um, you know, one thing I noticed when I was reading through body kindness is, you know, just kind of really the, like the, all the different, like strands that it it hits, it touches, like it's very Mm -hmm. like holistic, um, in the -hmm. approach. There's so many different things in here. It's not just about, you know, a non-diet approach or intuitive eating or even eating. It's like, it really Mm -hmm. goes into a lot of different, um, avenues, but I would love for you to just kind of answer the question, like, what is body kindness to you? And also like, why did you decide to kind of create this framework? Sure. So body kindness is a philosophy to me is is 
is really the full commitment to be good to yourself no matter what. And um, that means nobody can tell you what body kindness is or isn't because it's going to mean something very specific to you based on your lived experience and based on your personal values. It's also going to mean something different to you at different times, depending on what type of kindness you need. Uh, so, you know, it is, you know, some people who are looking for the rules are kind of like, wait a minute, I just want you to tell me what to do. And I definitely get that right. Diet culture tells you to look for the rules. Also, we, we believe this myth. If somebody else tells us what to do, that feels safe and secure. So it'll be easier. And the yeah. reality of it is if we're really going to create a better life, it's, it makes sense. We want it to be easy, but the only way out of our problems is directly through them. Um, so change is difficult and change is hard. And that is why the major ingredient for change is self-compassion, yeah. um, which we might know what to say to our best friend or our own kids, but darn it, if we don't, if we don't <laughs> say it to ourselves, um, and, and, Everything about body kindness is really deeply rooted in this full commitment to be good to yourself, um, i.e. self-compassion. Um, but I'm really glad that you noticed that it was about much more than food. It, that was very intentional. Uh, I'm very well, you know, through counseling clients since 2007, um, folks coming in and sitting down and saying, you know, I got to do something about this weight or I got to do something mm -hmm. about my body. Like, that question is not going to go away because it's a culturally conditioned question. So very intentionally, you know, body kindness, transform your health from the out and never say diet again. I wanted to reach people who were cared about health, who felt that they never wanted to diet again. And, um, you know, when we titled the book, the, the, the reaction I got from my editing team was like, wow, it's, it is really like the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down because Rebecca, you're telling people, Hey, all this shiny stuff that you want, you can't have it suckers. <laughs> and they were really worried. Like they, they believed in what I was putting out there. Like it made yeah. sense. They trusted this, the science behind it. They really trusted me, but they're like, this is going to be tough to hear. You know, people want to read a book that's going to make them feel good. They want to read the positive quotes. They want to read the affirmation. And you want us to help you put a book out there that's like, I got some bad news, everybody. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, but it's not bad news. It's very liberating and yes. freeing if you trust the process and trust yourself. And so, 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 so yeah, so it, it, it really is, um, you know, it is guided by three pillars of love, connect, and care. Um, so, you, and no, you cannot, you know, do that last diet, then do body kindness. And you <laughs> cannot intentionally pursue weight loss and do body kindness because they just, that's oil and water. It is, I understand where that hope comes from, but that is not the point. It's, mm -hmm. I, I fully expect like my clients or anyone to be scared and to have concerns about weight, shape, appearance, to have concerns about how you're going to fit in socially. You know, there, mm -hmm. I expect to be a full list of concerns. I want those concerns to be there. I want to make space for that, but I don't want to bait and switch anyone. And I don't want anyone to feel like that they could hijack, you know, something like this idea of let me define what well-being means to me. You know, I don't want diet culture to hijack that and say, and then lose weight. There's, you know, yeah. and I'm sure you see, you see a lot of that going on right now where people, they're just not getting it. It's like the idea of intuitive eating sounds good, but they feel that they still want to sell weight loss and they're not doing anything wrong. And it's honestly what it is, it's just individuals that aren't yet there yet on their own journey. Totally. Um, I'll never forget Ellen 
um, Evelyn Triboli taught me. So she was the co-author of Intuitive Eating and, and, and she actually counseled me early on and she said, you know, Rebecca, you can only take people as far as you have gone. And, and there would be no body kindness if I didn't work with her first because wow. I, I really wouldn't have done my own work. I was really lost and confused about, like I knew I had a diet rock bottom in my own life and with clients and my family, but I was like, I just don't, you know, it took some self-discovery and, and yes, a look at culture, a look at science and a look at what do I trust? Like, how can I bravely say we can put weight concerns aside? And if we cut through the weight stigma, Mm. what are meaningful actions that people could take that enhance their life regardless of any impact it might have on weight, shape, or appearance. And so that was a lot of the motivation that went into that, um, as a philosophy and, you know, because people do like structure, you know, I was like, well, how do I pillar this out? And so yes. the, th- the three pillars of, of love, connect, and care um, are make choices from a place of love. And what essentially that's meant to do is like, you know, it's sometimes you really need to get that sleep caught up and you're going to skip the workout that you had planned yes. for 6am. And that is okay. You yeah. know, that is a choice from a place of love, right? Sometimes it is okay. I'm going to limit myself to 30 minutes of TV because I really do need to go to bed because I want that morning workout time. So that is a choice from a place of love, even though that 30 minutes might not feel like enough because we really wanted two hours of zone out. So, yeah. so it, it really, what you need for love is going to change depending on what your inner caregiver is trying to guide you toward. Um, And brings us to the connect pillar, which very much in the beginning, literally connect is about connecting to your body because it's wise and telling you what you need. So when you need sleep or when you do need a little bit of movement or when you need time for a slow and mindful meal, it might not be practical every meal of the day. It's not for me. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't tell a person, oh, you, you know, unless, you know, unless every meal is quiet and mindful, then you suck. That is the opposite <laughs> of body kindness. But you kind of know when, you know, I need a five minute break from computer screens and everything. And I just want to sit and savor you know, the first five minutes of my lunch, that sounds like a meditation, you know, um, but but connection is also so much bigger than that. And I get to it very end of the book about in part four, about where you belong is it is literally about connecting to people you care about connecting to, you know, the, the planet and, you know, the earth. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it might mean, um, you know, thinking about how, um, reducing food waste in your home might help you save money, but also help you feel better about, um, the planet or climate change. You know, and you yeah. might not do everything to fight climate change, but you might do something that helps you feel better. Um, if that is sort of connected concern of yours and, and you're in a family where it's like climate change, like I, I need a job, right? So to be able to focus, have permission to focus on that and you're not a bad person if you're not thinking about how you're reducing food waste in the home is making a difference. So, but that there is something that we can all do to connect. It might be, um, volunteering in your community or doing something that meaningful in your church organization. So mm-hmm. connection can mean so much, but the reality of it is, is when we're so obsessed in, in our minds, because we're told to be obsessed by the culture, mm-hmm. right? We are told that that's what we should be spending our energy on. But when we're in our heads, not kind, not being passionate, when we're shooting on ourselves and we're criticizing, mm-hmm. shaming and judging, we are wasting all this mental energy 
in our minds when we really could be in our life. Um, so a big yeah. part of guiding folks in body kindness is about setting value-centered goals. So, you know, when I have someone who has a weak it's like, I'd really like to kayak. And yet they feel like they can't kayak until they get something else under control. I want to help them understand that. Let's talk about what it would take to get you in a kayak, because I hope to be able to help you enjoy life now because you're really living in a mental prison that wants to exclude and isolate you. Um, you know, and that could come from a lot of places, past trauma, cultural messaging, usually with clients, it's, it's a mix of everything. And even folks who never become clients, they're podcast listeners. You know, I get emails, right? We all, mm -hmm. all have a trauma history in some way, shape or form. We're all, we're all kind of living and living in some kind of suffering state. And what I hope to do with body kindness is make space for people to feel the pains of their lives, but stop the suffering through a lot of self-compassion and really help them understand that you don't have to sacrifice your very well-meaning concerns for health and well-being, but you do need to redefine them because what our culture yeah. tells us is so wrong and so broken and so messy. So, yeah. We're I don't know if that was a short explanation, <laughs> but there was a lot of rambling there about it. <laughs> it was so good. There was so much good stuff in there. And I was just thinking, you know, as you were talking about like my experience with reading body kindness, because even like way at the beginning when you're talking about like how, you know, I don't know, some, it might be perceived as like, oh, like, you know, I don't know, kind of taking away all these things. Like for mm -hmm. me, it felt, it did feel liberating reading it. Like totally. I feel like the experience mm -hmm. was liberating and it, it, the way that you set it up really, um, did guide people to being, to just like opening the door to being more compassionate. And honestly, like totally, like since reading that book, uh, since reading this book, when you sent it to me a year ago or whenever it was, um, <laughs> it's been a little while. Um, like seriously, it, it seriously has changed the way that I even think in certain moments and like has led me towards being more compassionate. And one thing I wanted to ask you more about that has stuck with me as well is this concept of like spiraling up. So I would love for you to just like explain that a little bit more. Yeah. So, um, so, so spiral, uh, the idea of spiraling up comes from a positive psychology researcher, Barbara Fredrickson, and she deeply studies, um, the vagus nerve, uh, and vagal tone as a sign of health and well being, And, um, she has some really fascinating research work out. And one of it is a theory called broaden and build. And it's this idea that we can, by experiencing positive emotions, that we can broaden and build increasing positive emotions experiences one on top of the other. So mm -hmm. more positive emotions begets more positive emotions. And it helps you feel more open and connected, like that vision of a spiral, like which we all know the version of a downward spiral, what yeah. that feels like. It looks like a tornado if you wrote it on a piece of paper. And at the down of the spiral, you feel very isolated and closed off and disconnected. And folks who have more negative emotions and are more of a downward spiral space, they are more likely to struggle with depression, overwhelming anxiety, um, suicidal ideations, um, and, and, and those are real mental health issues that need real treatment with the right therapy, possible medications. Um, and so, you know, I definitely want to encourage anyone who 
you know, sometimes people don't feel like sick enough or like bad enough where it's like they kind of delay. Oh, I don't need to go talk to someone. Talk to someone because you never know what depression would look like. I tell depression story, um, Leslie Schilling, a fellow dietitian, she's in body kindness and she's like, I couldn't see it because it was like, got to put the lipstick on and muscle up and just pretend like everything's all right. And really on the inside, she was um, struggling big time. Mm. And so, you know, I really think it's important that we reduce the shame and stigma around what it means to suffer emotionally. Um, And if you're feeling that pull of a downward spiral, say something, get some help and support because you will be able to feel more spiral ups in your life. And what that has to do with is when you can take a moment to start to neutralize a downward spiral by just noticing something and anything that might help you feel a bit more calm or a bit more safe. So if you have an animal, it might be even thinking about your, your pet or your cat or thinking about your child. It might be if you, I love to do flower arranging. And so you, you arrange flowers and you're feeling like everything sucks. Can you take a moment and just look at the flowers and say, I appreciate the colors of these flowers that I'm seeing right now and take a deep breath with that an inhale and an exhale. It doesn't take the pain away. That is not the point. The point is emotion regulation of mm-hmm. noticing what you're feeling right now and that that doesn't feel good and that it's, that it is okay. What is one thing that I could do to ground and connect myself? It's, I mentioned meditating with clients. I have a whole aromatherapy bar, right? <laughs> so let's, let's do some lavender oil. Let's do some sandalwood and, or orange, like what? And, and it's not about, it's just like helping a client pick out like a scent that they feel that they would connect with. And just to, and, and just to start breathing that helps you regulate emotionally and that can help you kind of get you out of that. I'm in danger. This isn't okay. So that you can reframe that as, as a stressful energy that says something you care about is at stake. And when you can neutralize that downward spiral, then you can start to engage in these spiral up sensations. Um, and the more that you can layer on the more open and connected you feel perhaps to yourself to people you care about, friends and family, and then ultimately, you know, like nature or um, the world, right? So if you if you take a trip and you're able to see the glaciers in real life, that's going to be an awe-inspiring experience, right? Or Aurora Borealis, right? Those once-in-a-lifetime, you know, the word awesome, right? This is awe. This is what awe feels like. You're not going to be able to feel awe on a given day. Or if you just had a, you know, a big stressful work deadline or something bad happened and it really, you're feeling the tension, right? You you know, but you might have a thought of about what is something that I can connect to? Can I take five deep breaths and let myself know it is going to be okay? then layer another positive emotion on top of that. I'm grateful for this lunch break. I'm grateful that I have the time and money to be able to nourish myself right now. Let that feel good. Um, As that translates into body kindness, I actually, when I read her research, I was like, wow, well, is it possible that maybe a positive emotion might lead to a positive self-care choice? That's how it really affected me. Not being a positive psychologist was like, oh my gosh, so if somebody woke up kind of on the wrong side of the bed, is there something that we could do? And that positive emotion might lead to, oh, well, what else sounds good right now? And and the, what I found was 
emphatically yes. That mm-hmm. it's like if we start out feeling good, that we might stop and think, what sounds, you know, like a yummy breakfast right now? And that could be granola with fruit and yogurt that you're excited to eat, or that might be a quick smoothie you're excited to put together, or, you know, trending avocado toast, you know, you know, though that might sound good. It also might sound like a spiral up to go and get a yummy cinnamon roll and coffee, right? And if you're not dieting, you can make that choice. It doesn't matter what is on your plate. It's that you get to enjoy something that sounded good mindfully. And that's obviously where intuitive eating would come into play there. And that that choice could feel like love and connection and no good or bad, but then that could lead to that next positive emotion. Like that felt good connecting over breakfast with a friend. And, and, and that is going to lead to actually creativity in the work meeting. It's going to lead to like a good night's sleep. You Mm -hmm. know, it's going to lead to that workout that you did, whether it was yoga or the hard thing or the gentle walk that all those things felt like self-care. So now we're not policing ourselves. Was it good or was it bad? Was it good or was it bad? Was it good or was it bad? Like what did I do that was personally meaningful? And when you can align these positive emotions with positive self-care choices, that is really where body kindness takes hold. Um, and so it's really powerful. I know, you know, like I, people always say the book is beautiful and it is a beautiful book and you see these like spiral up and absolutely <laughs> that is what I want you to do. But I also want you to know that even when it's going down hard on you in life, you can still use body kindness as a tool to help you feel grounded. It's just going to look different. You know, there's no amount of I don't know, um, sauteed stir fry, whatever use of leftovers, you know, it's not about that in that moment. It's about the breath to let you know that what you really need is a hug and to connect to a friend, but that ultimately that is going to help you feel, um, that you can get to a better place to where those things that you like to do for yourself that feel like you're taking good care of yourself. Those will come back because of that breath and that connection that you did. Yeah, that's so helpful. That's why like this kind of all these different pieces that body kindness brings into the picture is so helpful. It doesn't always have to be like, oh, I'm doing all of the things. Like it's like, what can you do <laughs> for yourself right now? I also think it's so interesting hearing you talk about it because, you know, you know, the kind of dominant uh, way of thinking in our culture is like that we should be policing ourselves. And if we're going to take the best care of ourselves, then we have to like, you know, rigidly control and like, it's not always going to feel good, but you have to do it. And well, you know, that's kind of like the, the overarching mindset. And it, I think that people think, and actually, I know that people believe in and buy into this, this idea that if we do things that kind of like feel good for ourselves, mm-hmm. like it's actually not going to be the healthiest thing for ourselves. But like the way you're talking about it and the way, you know, it sounds like you've experienced and seen and whatever is that like when people are making choices that align with their values and like that feel good for them and that they're, that are rooted in self-compassion, it is going to be supportive and it is going to be positive for their health. Oh yeah. A thousand percent, you know, and it is, and it is literally a practice And so this is not about how do I do my checklist and how do I know I'm doing this right? I think it's a willingness to learn and grow. So any listener can ask themselves, what does self-compassion sound like to me today? And if it's like you're sitting with a piece of paper and it's blank, (laughs) think about, okay, let me think of my best friend. Let me think of somebody I care deeply about. 
And if I were to ask them, what is bothering you right now that matters? Let me, let me write that out from within, right? And if I were to say, hey, I'm here for you, I'm listening. What does it sound like you need right now? right? And imagine that you're hearing that from a friend, write that down too. And then it's giving that to yourself, that full permission to give that to yourself. And we're, we're so prone to like self-evaluate. These are all the things that are wrong with me, but you're going to get overwhelmed. It is going to be too much and it is going to squash your hope and confidence. And when your hope and confidence is low, it is hard to find an internal drive that says, I can do this. What's the next step? And that is what change is really all about. You know, I'm sure, you know, when you help people, they all think that you're the Shiro that has all the answers and they're going to come sit down. You're going to wave a wand and boom, right? A, a great dietitian will be a great listener and they yes. will be, they might per, be a voice of a caregiver. I've had clients who've said, I, you know, I think what would Rebecca do? Because I don't have that voice, but I, I, I kind of conjure up how I think you would respond. And that helps. I'm like, that is great. I get it. You know, and now we're going to create the voice of your inner caregiver from that. Yeah, that is, that's amazing. That's so empowering. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. oh, that's awesome. Rebecca, one last thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up is I'm curious. I mean, you, I guess you put this book out a few years ago now. It's been, mm-hmm. yeah, it was 2015. Um, I'm curious, like if there's something looking back that you kind of wish you had put in there, like had been different or anything like that. And, and I'm not sure if there is, but I'm just going to throw yeah. it out there. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, so, so just to timeline it out, cause it's really interesting. I sold the idea. It was not called body kindness. I, I knew I wanted to get a book published that was like, Hey, you don't have to die. You need to be good to yourself. And so the original pitch was called happy hours and happy hour is actually a very, very small part of the book right now. So there's a whole reason for how body kindness came to be that had to do with just some things I was struggling with in my own life. And I was just like, what I wanted to do was not good enough. I need to keep working on it. But, um, alas, as timelines go, it does take a long time to write a book anyway, but, um, it came out in in like technically December, 2016. So I always say, okay, January, 2017. And if you really think about where we were at as a culture, it, I mean, people have been trying with body positivity and fat activism since the seventies. It came out of black and queer communities, mm. um, you know, and so, so there's the work has been there for forever. Yeah. But when you think about when, you know, an intuitive eating has gone through, I think it's going on its third like edition and, um, and, but that's been out since 1995, but it, it really was at this time where like culturally it was hard to even get anyone to agree, um, to, to put the book out there. Um, and you know, I think another challenge and difficulty was, um, the expectation that I would talk about food and guide people about food because that was my expertise. I knew hands down, I was like, I am not going to repeat intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is a book in and of itself that people need to read and do. I want to do something that is going to say intuitive eating is amazing and intuitive eating is part of body kindness, right? But like as a book is a physical thing that has a limited space, Um, you know, 
that my publisher was very adamant about you have to be directive because authors are authoritative. When people wow. read books, they want to be told what to do. So it was this constant battle between trying to give people a structure and explain what body kindness is, but still respect autonomy. So I would say it's like, you know, I was the person that I was writing it mostly in 2015. Yeah. And so there was still a lot of, you know, like I was a member of ASDA, um, which created the health at every size principle. So I knew I was going to mention ASDA and health at every size and tell people to go look at that. Right. You know, but like there was no way you can write a book that's going to be the one, you know, end all be all. So it's like mention things and support things that you also know, but what can be uniquely different. And I really felt like I want to help people who were like, it's about my body. It's about my body. It's about my body. But then as the book goes on, no, it's about being in this life. That's a gift you have right now. I have a very visceral memory of being nine, feeling my heartbeat and realizing, oh my gosh, my heart is going to beat until one day it doesn't. When it doesn't, it's over. And eight or nine is around the time where kids really understand mortality. Yeah. It clicked in me. I want to do what I can for my health, but the messages I got was body shame. And so, so it was really, really like, how do I help people say, but health is good, but reframe a focus. And so, you know, but I guess, you know, I know you wanted to know what like, sort of like about like a regret. I think it's, could I have done some more like intersectional social, social justice mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. you know, that is yeah. important now. I know those books are coming out. Yeah. Um, being an advanced reader for Anti Diet, Christy Harrison's book, like she yeah. does an amazing job of it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Those books are really going to go hand in hand because you're, re- you know, you're going to see her handing it, you know, to the system. And then, but when you read it, it's like, okay, but now what? Body kindness is going to be your now what? So, but do yeah. it now out now, but you know, I, I really have this vision and Christy's a good friend of mine, you know, and I really have this vision. I see that book doing an amazing job about enforcing the anger and doing that intersectional work that needs to be done. Um, but I think that if you just, if you just grab body kindness and, and read it and you're, you're a, you know, say you're trans female, you're going to hear a lot of female based stories, but I don't, I don't say, you know, this client was trans, you know? And so, yeah, that's a huge regret. Like I wish, you know, I wish that I could have written something where everybody felt like they were seen and heard. Okay. Um, Yeah. No. Um, but I think that because there's that nobody can tell you what body kindness is or isn't that you can take take what you can get out of it and make it work for you and your life. And, you know, rip out a page if you don't, if it doesn't (laughs) resonate or cross something out, you know, Um, because it is hard, right? Like the, in the parts where I talk about food and I was like, Hey, like if you want, if you're concerned about food, 
balanced, eating in a balanced way is helpful. And here's a, a infographic of different versions of balanced plates. And here's one eating whatever you want. Cause you don't have to think about nutrition at every meal. And that for <laughs> a lot of people is really liberating, but yeah. others might read it and be like, well, why do you talk about zucchini noodles? And it's just like, because yeah. I'm talking to people who are so afraid of pasta that they think it's going to kill them. I'm talking to the whole 30 person there, you yeah. know? So if you're not a whole 30 person, you don't ever touch a, a um, you know, vegetable peeler. Cause in my right. mind, it's like, Hey, you're trying to think of balance and kind of helping your family eat more veggies. Take your cheap veggie peeler, take a zucchini, go like this and add it to pasta. Yeah. Why? pasta. And so it's like one reader could be like, Hey, that's so liberating. That's a can do idea. And somebody else is like, Oh, she's recommending veggies. I think that's a culture in disguise. And so I've I've had to give up on that. Trust me. I've lost many nights of sleep. I've, I have just, yeah, I've got, I've gotten a message. I'll just leave it at that. I've gotten a message where it's like, I just think your diet culture in disguise and it hurts. It hurts. Wow. But you're so right, Rebecca, that it like, it depends on who's reading it and what frame of mind they're in and where they're coming from. Um, And it's hard to speak directly to everyone in a book. Right. (laughs) Um, If you're chronic dieting and or recovery from an eating disorder, you have to have a good care team if you're in recovery from an eating disorder. And I think a a certain place, like, uh, but I've had people who were said, look, I'm in early stages of recovery. What I liked about your book is in reading it, I knew that there was a hope. Like I couldn't vision this hope where I would think about anything else except restriction. But by going through and reading your book, but not do, you know, kind of doing what I wanted to do, it was helpful. You know, but yeah, cross out, rip out or X out the things that you're thought, like, I don't understand what you're doing, Rebecca. You know, because it is body kindness is a philosophy, right? It's a philosophy like intuitive eating is a philosophy and there's research to body kindness too. So right now it's been studied as, um, helping to heal body image and reduce depressive symptoms in pregnant and postpartum women up to five years. That's a big point for body shame and your body changes and you think you need get back to your pre-pregnancy weight. So if, 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 if that's you, if you're a chronic dieter, you're going to love body kindness, you know, but I, I think that, you know, people are looking for their new set of rules too, and resist that make body kindness your own. And, and don't, don't put that reliance on me. You can figure out what health and well being works for you. And if there's something I said that didn't work for you, just ignore me, (laughs) ignore it. Um, yeah. yeah. And I appreciate feedback. You're welcome to email me feedback, Rebecca, bodykindnessbook.com. You know, I appreciate, I want to hear and listen, but I'm not trying to expect perfection out Mm of, out of a print material or out of myself. Totally. I can only fully commit to learning and growing and keep trying to do the best I can. Yeah. I love that. And I can't tell you how much I recommend your book, Body Kindness. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure I was definitely one of those people that said to you that I thought the book was beautiful, which honestly goes a long way for some people in reading books. Not everyone <laughs> loves reading. So it's like nice to have a nice like spread out page with lots of colors. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I absolutely love it. And so much has like stuck with me from reading it. So highly, highly recommend. But I'd also love for you to share other resources that you have right now. And uh, where people can find you online. Yeah, definitely. So if you go to bodykindnessbook.com slash start, um, that what you give your name and email, what you're going to get from me, you're going to get instant access to a free video. That's five health rules that you should break. 
Um, so it's great for chronic dieters, but also a free self-reflection guide that goes with that video, a free book chapter. So you can already get started, but then I'm going to go in your inbox and like every few days and, 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 and there is a place where I can talk. I talk a little bit more about culture and try this or email me. I really want to hear from you. So kind of like what you need to get started right away. Of course, the book is available in print audiobook, wherever you get books. I'm a big audiobook person. Yeah. Um, you're going to want to get the print book as like your journal because the prompts, the spiral ups, the reflections, you're going to want that anyway. Um, you know, but, but so definitely get it and, and, you know, do it in a book club, talk to a friend. It really helps to feel like you're not alone, but I do have a free Facebook group that you'll get invited to when you do that, get started with body kindness. Um, and I've got some really great stuff coming around the bend. So a specific program for people who have concerns for diabetes, um, that will be coming out. Um, I also have a program that's going to be coming out in the new year. That's a membership. It's going to be awesome because you're going to get coaching with me and community support. Um, but the way that you can just stay connected is by getting in that beginner's free body kindness, body kindness program. So that's bodykindnessbook.com slash start. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, your, your podcast is called body kindness, right? Yes, yes, yes. Cool. And your Instagram, Rebecca Scritchfield. Okay. Nice and easy. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'll make sure to link to those. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was so great. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right, guys, that's a wrap on this week's episode with Rebecca Scritchfield. Um, definitely go check out some of the resources that she has available. She mentioned that bodykindnessbook.com slash start um, to get a lot more resources. You can also check out her book, which I definitely recommend. Again, it's called Body Kindness. Um, and then her podcast, also called Body Kindness. And you can find Rebecca on Instagram at Rebecca Scridgefield. Also, if you have a moment and you've been listening to the podcast a lot and enjoying it and it's helpful to you, um, if you can stop over to iTunes and leave a rating or review, um, that would be super helpful. Um, So it only takes a moment of your time um, and it definitely means a lot. Also, um, yeah, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, but if you want one of those Diet Culture is a Liar stickers... um, that'd be cool. So uh, you can order one in the link in the bio of my Instagram, which is at the intuitive underscore RD. I hope you guys are enjoying what feels like the beginning of fall starting here. Um, And I hope you have a great week. I will talk to you soon.